is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Let's do this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson, your host for this evening, this afternoon's festivities. Big win for the Winnipeg Jets last night and a big show coming up today on WST. Rick our old pal and partner from the afternoon ride is going to join us coming up at 145 today. And at 115, we will talk all things Jets, discuss the big win last night. Top line coming through Connor Hellebuck's first shutout and much more with the incomparable Marat Atesh of The Athletic. As always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is brought to you by Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports. And our friends at Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, and very pleased to be welcoming on for our uh, golf sponsor all season long, our friends at the uh, my favorite private club in Winnipeg, Breezy Bend. Big thanks to Corey. Can't wait to get going with Breezy coming up and, of course, get on the links as well. Let's bring in Michael Remus as we get things going on a Tuesday afternoon. Remo, what's going on? Big win for the Jets last night, and a lot of people were tweeting during the game saying good call about the uh, big game from the top line. We spoke about it yesterday. We expected a big performance from the Shifley-Wheeler-Stastny line, and uh, man, they delivered last night. Yeah, Huss, uh, you called it. You said Shifley-Wheeler-Stastny. They were pissed off. They were ready to go. And look, I had said that I thought the Jets had played well in the two games against Edmonton, but Connor McDavid was the difference. Uh, Vancouver didn't have a McDavid. Pedersen out. Horvat, you know, takes a puck to the leg. And he's out, so they're missing a couple of their top guys. But the Jets continued, I think since that last game against Toronto, they have played very strong defense, limiting the opponent's shots to a lot more than they were doing in the past. Uh, Blake Wheeler came out and set the tone right away with that goal. And who said, someone said Stasny and Wheeler uh, couldn't shoot. And you saw St- Wheeler scoring a goal, Stasny scoring a goal as well, showing off those uh, those wrist shots. So uh, good for them, get on track. And that's kind of what we expected Hellebuck, you know, with a statement. He didn't have to do anything too crazy, but uh, he made all the saves. Had a couple of help from the post, but he'll tell you, Huss, that that was because <laughs> he was in great position. And he he induced the post. That was, it was all his positioning led them to hit the post because he That's exactly what up. happened last night. And he was asked about it afterwards. If you haven't, by the way, folks, if you haven't seen Hellebuck's post-gamer uh, presser last night, um, do yourself a favor and check it out. I often said that... He is the most interesting guy to speak to. My favorite interview, I don't think just the Jets. I mean, I'm trying to think of another guy in the NHL that I enjoy hearing him talk more than Connor Hellebuck. Uh, And he had some beauties last night. Um, Talked about, you know, being in great position. Talk about playing a perfect game with his team. Obviously, just referring to the shutout. No goals got in on it. And then he also discussed and described in a way that only Connor Hellebuck can, uh, can, Michael, um, the well, what Paul Maurice referred to as the fancy footwork when uh, he was playing that puck behind the net and sort of took himself out. I don't know whether he toe picked or what, but as Connor said, sometimes you just have to let momentum carry you. Yeah, there were a couple times yesterday where he goes to play the puck, and it's a bit of an adventure, and maybe a bit more so than you'd like. But he did to his credit; he got the job done. And yeah, when he got out there and flopped. On that, Maurice called it a toe pick. I was like, oh, man, that's uh, that's ugly. He did make the pass. It almost got, uh, I think, turned over. They were able to break it out. But uh, at least they can have a laugh. He ended up getting the shutout. But 
maybe sometimes when he goes back out back there, a bit more of an adventure than you would like. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, the most nervous uh, I think any Jet fan gets when it comes to Connor Hellebuck is just simply when he's not in the net. Um, because eh, there's been some plays. I mean, it's, it's not his forte, shall we say. Um, stopping the puck is, though. And, you know, th- this is the guy. He really deserved a shutout probably earlier this season. I mean, there was a few games where he had zeros late into the third period and games that the team was comfortably ahead and, you know, one got past him. And, you know, he's a very proud guy. Um, you know, I think that, you know, first and foremost, he wants to win hockey games, but it is nice to, you know, get that zero, especially, you know, considering the way that he's played so far. I think most fans would agree that probably deserved one earlier, but bottom line is, you know, we've spoken so much about, you know, the team and especially coming out of Edmonton, the fact that the team did play quite well, the results for the top line were miserable. And I think, the biggest reason for that is a guy named Connor McDavid that wears number 97 for the Edmonton Oilers. So to come into last night's game, to have that line lead the way offensively and to have some good things happen for them at the same time as your Vesna trophy winning goaltender puts up a zero hell of a way to start the week for the Winnipeg jets. And, you know, coming off those two losses to Edmonton and things getting a little bit tighter in the division, a really, really important win. And uh, the team will be feeling good going into the rematch tomorrow night for a 9.30 Winnipeg start. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's what they needed. They needed a bounce-back game. And look, I again, I thought they had played well, ran into some bad luck. They continued that strong play, and they got the results. Uh, Blake Wheeler, you know, finding the shot uh, early definitely uh, helped out. Um, you know, the game was broken open. We have to talk about the third line in Cop and uh, and Lowry and Appleton. Adam Lowry, uh, scoring star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he almost, I thought he might have had the hat trick there, but the first one, maybe a bit lucky. You know, he goes to make uh, the sauce pass to Cop. And um, what was lucky was that Cop didn't didn't get it. He sort of took a wave at it with with his stick, which could have turned it into, you know, a high sticking goal. Um, But luckily, he whiffed on it. Uh, It went in. And um, well, then they were off to the races. And then he got another one shortly after that. Yeah, the Cop uh, tip play to. Lowry in front, a uh, really nifty pass, and then Lowry just managing to get his the, like toe of his backhand on that. Very well done. And if when this team's going, Huss, on all cylinders, you get you're getting production from all the lines. We've seen you know Matthew Perot have a good stretch recently, and you've seen uh, the Ealers, Dubois, and Connor line do well the last couple of games. But uh, last night it was lines one and three. Uh, you know Shifley, Wheeler, Stasny all chipping in, and then that third line, Cop, Lowry, Appleton. Uh, making their mark as well. So, I mean, it was a great team game, great bounce back from what you want to see. And, I mean, the Jets have been pretty good this year at, you know, beating up on those teams that aren't in the playoff race. You know, they just went, you know, 4-4-1 four, four, and one against Toronto, Montreal, Edmonton. But now they got a, b- a bit of an easier stretch here. By easier, I mean against teams that aren't in the playoffs, Vancouver and Calgary. And Calgary uh, lost again yesterday. We'll get to them later. But, I thought you got to be happy. You got to be impressed. That's that's a game that good teams win. You, you don't, you know, you stop the slide. You don't get to three in a row, and you have a great performance up and down, uh, beating up a somewhat uh, hurt team. Well, you, you know, it, you make a great point, and you know, we may as well get to the Calgary Flames on it. They lost last night two one to the Ottawa Senators, and the Flames are in such a predicament right now with needing to put together a string of wins. Um, and we've talked all year long about making the most of your games against on the schedule against the Ottawa Senators. And, 
you know, if Calgary doesn't make the playoffs, they will look back to a few of these games against Ottawa over the course of the last three weeks. The two terrible losses that ended up getting Jeff Ward fired and this one last night. And, you know, I, I'm always I always have time for Daryl Sutter's postgame pressers. Um, he was choked last night and speaking that, you know, they need to play a full 60 or 65 minutes. They didn't get it. You fired a few cliches in there. But the, the point was that, you know, we're now seeing some of the inconsistent Calgary Flames that were on again, off again, that ended up costing Jeff Ward his job. And it seems like there's still quite a bit of work for Daryl Sutter to do. And on top of all that, Remus, um, the Flames earned themselves some pretty bad karma last night with the way they... Um, with the way they behaved at the end of the game, trying to take Philip Gustafson's puck for his first ever NHL win. Yeah, before, you know, during the show yesterday, before the game, you were saying you were on Ottawa. I was like, no, I'm taking Calgary. You know, Ottawa, they, I mean, first of all, they're Ottawa. They, although they have played very well in the last, like, I think, like two months, they've played pretty well. Um, and they're starting the goalie. It's his first career start. Calgary's got to take this one, right? Uh, no, and make matters worse, uh, I agree. The karma gods are going to get back at Calgary. You don't you don't play keep away with the guy's puck after his first win. I don't know what the unwritten rules say about that, Huss, but it seems like, look, be nice, be a good person. Guy got his win. Uh, I like Rasmus Anderson, but come on, you don't take the guy's puck, and then who's like, they're trying to, ch- Ottawa's trying to get it back. This is like schoolyard bullying from a Calgary team that has, disappointed all year over and over again, got their coach fired. That just shows you how depressed the Flames must be, how like mentally sad they are right now that you're out of a playoff spot, you've disappointed, and you gotta take this guy this guy's having a career, you know, career moment, first win, and you go and like how petty is that that you go take take the puck. Uh, and they lost the game and just have it. It's just awful for Calgary. They could not have looked any worse um, after that. It was bad enough that they lost in the fashion that they did. But, um, you know, I, I heard Button, Craig Button earlier today talking. And he absolutely ripped the flames for both the performance on the ice, the performance at the end of the game. And, um, you know, you, it, it, I, I really do think, Reem, at the end of this season, at the end of 56, especially when we're talking about that fourth, the, the line between fourth and fifth. Um, the team that's in fifth is probably going to be the team that didn't make, you know, either get dominated in the head-to-head matchup or um, just simply didn't get enough points against the Ottawa Senators. I mean, if we're talking about a race that comes right down to the wire and the difference is a point here, a point there, from Montreal's side of things, if they miss out, it'll be because they stink in overtime and lost nine in a row before winning on the weekend. Um, but for the Calgary Flames, if they're out, they'll look directly at these lost points against the Ottawa Senators is the reason why they're not participating in the playoffs. Personally, for me, Calgary, they're on my my band list. Now, I'm not taking them ever again. I can't. First of all, I can't take them after you act like that on the ice. But after you perform the way they performed and disappointed over and over again, uh, Gaudreau and Monaghan officially on my, my band list. For daily fantasy, I'll never. I'm not. I'm done. I every time like this is the time. This is the time. The drill <laughs> salvaged it at the end, but their salaries have been going really cheap, and I keep saying, "Okay, this is it. Let's go." And they they stink. So I'm I'm got to purge myself of taking them again. It's been way too much Calgary for me. 
Great to have everybody firing it up with us live on YouTube this afternoon. And, of course, for folks that are listening later on in the podcast, we appreciate you joining us as well. Make sure to uh, rate and review on your favorite podcast feed. Help the boys out. Um, lots of people in the chat right now. And I'll give a, a nod to David F. Um, Dave said, very happy to see Wheels get a nice, important goal to reward all the solid work. That was huge, Blake Wheeler, getting the first goal last night. And again, you talked about the connection between he and Paul Stastny in the shooting. Probably regretted not having two goals in that first period. I mean, they really did play that two-on-one perfectly. Um, it, was such, it was such a nice play by Stastny. I don't think Wheeler was expecting to get it back and was a little close in to get the puck up. Um, but I think we saw in that first period, especially led by the captain, Reem, um, the drive, the commitment to be better and just to to will themselves basically to better results. And um, that was, uh, I think that was really important for the team, but especially Blake Wheeler. And we'll talk to Murat about this coming up. Um, he did speak about, you know, even being in the league for 15 years, the confidence can go at times. And uh, I think that was uh, very important just for the mental state of that top line, because as we've said before, this team will go as far as they take them. Yeah, and I had joked that, you know, when he threw the puck away, he was throwing away all those those bad feelings and doing a mental reset ready for uh, last night's game. And I think they were ready, and I agree with Wheeler. I mean, you can't dwell on that. They did play well. They got beat by McDavid. They came back and played even harder, and you definitely saw Wheeler uh, working hard on that first goal. You know, you saw him protecting the puck in the offensive zone behind the net, playing very well. So, uh, you know, props to him, and I agree. I mean, he's he's matured. He's a veteran now. Uh, he's learned a lot over his career, and they weren't dwelling on that last loss. They said, hey, it doesn't mean anything, you know, two in a row. Uh, we know we're a good team. We know what we can do, and they went out, and they did that, and he did have the two-on-one early with uh, Stasny. Uh, you know, it seemed like not, you know Stasny didn't want to shoot. I thought he could have gone a crazy a one-timer, but maybe if Wheeler had been more ready and the pass has been uh, more on the tape in the wheelhouse, they could have had a goal, and there was another nice two-on-one, Ehlers and Connor with the breakaway, uh, maybe yeah. Ehlers delaying a bit too long so the defender could catch up, but uh, they could have had a couple more. Uh, maybe they got a bit lucky. Maybe Vancouver had a, you know could have had one or two. They did have some some posts there, but uh, that's the way it went. The Jets uh, were due for a win after losing two in a row, and they came out and played well. And I think that's the game that you wanted to see uh, from them last night. And I think a lot of people in chat I know feeling a lot better about the Jets than they were after the two losses to Edmonton. Uh, listen, before we get to Marat, I uh, do want to thank our uh, great sponsors, not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGillivray. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? If you're thinking about going electric, Not Autocorp is the Tesla leaders in town with a ton of stock coming in daily. Um, and of course, if you're looking to get out of uh, maybe a lease that you're in right now, they'll help you do that with their very successful consignment program. Find out more at not.ca or pop down and see the gang at Waverly and McGilvery. And of course, we got to thank our friends at Boston Pizza, Winnipeg. Uh, just got this. Starting this Thursday, all local BPs will have a new program called Call the Shot. Order a Boston Pizza pizza flight, three pizzas, three dips for only $18.49, and any Molson beer, like an ice-cold Sub-Zero Coors Light, and you could win one of thousands of prizes, like BP gift cards, branded beer fridges, or a custom-built backyard hockey rink, little ODR action, or a VIP NHL experience for two. It all starts this Thursday. Call your shot at Boston Pizza. All right, let's get down to business. Been looking forward to this all week. We welcome in to discuss the big win for the Winnipeg Jets kicking off the week. Marat Atesh of The Athletic. How are you, my friend? 
think you're muted. Last week, uh, I saw a lot of highlights, so I got to throw that out there again. You guys have been awesome. Oh, Murat, thanks so much. Well, it was great that we had you right the, the first week, and we're still going. And, uh, you know, the support's been uh, amazing. And, uh, hey, you're good for – I think you're good for viewership. There's a lot of fans of the work of Murat Atesh, so more Murat is good for uh, all Winnipeg Jet fans. And as I mentioned, we weren't sure how this conversation would go today. Would we be talking about the Jets' first three-game losing streak of the season or we talk about a huge win to get back in the win column. Um, and that is the case. And it all started, I think, last night with the captain, Blake Wheeler, and the way that line number one played, coming off um, some some tough results against the best player on the planet in those two games in Edmonton. Yeah, absolutely. We were texting, and we were like, what, what's the what's the show going to sound like? What, what's it going to look like? Are they, they going to be talking about three straight losses? I was looking at those stats just for the, the last five games. Blake Wheeler was riding a minus per game minimum for five straight games heading into last night. Now, I'm not a big believer in plus minus because goals, a little bit of chaos happens. Somebody hits a post, somebody doesn't hit a post. Adam Lowry skies one, it hits just the right people, it goes in, right? So plus minus can be a little sketchy for that reason. But in terms of chances, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Paul Stastny, the only game in the last little while where they were really carrying it was Game 3 against Toronto. And I thought they shut down the Matthews line really well in Game 3. Still ended up a minus on the night. And after two games in Edmonton where it just wasn't going for them, Wheeler was shooting pretty well, I thought, in Edmonton in Game 2. But nothing was working. Nothing was working. Meanwhile, Connor McDavid was doing his thing. They needed it. That's where I'm landing us. They needed that one. You know, and 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 Wheeler spoke about it afterwards. And you know, I think we're lucky, and we're kind of spoiled at times. I mean, with the great sound bites we get from Coach Paul Maurice, and I mean Connor Hellebuck, who's my number one by far guy to listen to. But Wheeler's right there as well. And you know, there are times when Blake Wheeler comes clean, and he really did last night. And it was fascinating to hear sort of the relief to have that game to be such a big part of the win. And to hear a captain that has done so much in the National Hockey League admit that, hey, he can be in here for 15 years, but, you know, the confidence can go pretty quickly. And uh, that was, uh, I think, just for the mental state of the leaders of this hockey club and a line that, you know, is so important to the Winnipeg Jets. Um, You know, a performance that I think everyone hoped for and that certainly will be very good for them going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. That's great insight on your part because I'm thinking – I was the question after he talked about 15 years in confidence, or I was a couple after, and I wanted to follow up on exactly that concept because Blake Wheeler's a bit of a shot quality guy. Even if he doesn't look at expected goals, he's the kind of guy that says, hey, we we got tons of offense all night long, um, even if they didn't score, as long as they were generating chances, right? So I kind of gave him a bit of an out, I thought, last night. I said, hey, look, like in Edmonton, it looked like you were shooting really well. You had a lot of rush chances. He had three shots on the night, and they were like tough off the shoulder, off like... They, they had good looks, I thought, to, to Blake Wheeler's shots. And I said, well, hey, was it a case of finally you get the bounces or um, or was it a case of finally the slump is over? And I, I tried to give him an out in that situation. He didn't take it. He went back to that emotional well saying, 15 years, man, confidence is an important thing. And I, and I think to your point, it really must have been sticking not only with him, with Paul Stasty, with Mark Shifley as well, because they're supposed to drive the whole thing. Well, I mean, I'll say there's a lot of things that Blake Wheeler has. Uh, a poker face is not one of them. And it was pretty clear at the end of the game on Saturday night just how frustrated that the captain was. And I think that, I mean, that's certainly why I expected a, a big, big performance from that line. Whether the pucks were going to go in or not, you know, you know, some of the hockey, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. But the bottom line is the amount of 
of buzz that they had and the chances that they were creating in the offensive zone in the first period, I think really sort of set the tone for what the Winnipeg Jets wanted to do as a team last night in a game they really needed to win. Yeah, leader leadership from leaders for sure. I thought that Blake Wheeler on that two on one where he scored with Paul Stastny, he did the right thing. He shot. I think that seam opens up through five hole of Thatcher Demko because Demko and everyone knows Blake Wheeler likes to pass in that sort of situation. He was being direct. And I think that later he sets up Paul Stastny for what could have been a one timer and a goal. Stastny goes back to Wheeler. Um, and it doesn't work out in that situation. So I thought Wheeler in particular among leaders like Paul Stastny, like Mark Scheifele, was uh, a step above and a real driver, which is good because we were talking about him as a possible undriver, not so, not so hot to start the season. And now that he's got this going a little bit, I thought he was aggressive on the forecheck. I thought he was making smart decisions in those sorts of situations, and Stastny got his in the end anyway, I'll say. Marana Tesh of The Athletic with us. Our old pal Rick Ralph will join us coming up at about quarter to two today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you know, I could spend a lot of time talking about that top line, and maybe we'll come back to it, but... Um, Connor Hellebuck gets his first shutout of the season. And like even through these last couple losses, I don't think there's been any thoughts that his play had been slipping. But at the same time, Marat, you know, um, it was a really fun availability with Hellebuck last night after the game, which it often is, but especially when he has a, a performance like that and gets the result that, you know, he wanted to. Um, I think it's good for him just mentally to get, you know, to get that zero. Not that there's been any question with the way that he's been playing night in and night out for the Jets. Yeah, he's an interesting human being. I mean, Connor Hallibuck, he believes in mastery. He believes in the power of positive thinking. Um, He believes in being able to manifest results through the sort of communication that he has. He's so determined in every situation to say he should have had it. He should have had it. He doesn't throw teammates under the bus. Um, he gets really fired up in, in, in certain moments as well. And I just think he's such a wild card as a, as a quote, but <laughs> such a consistent person as, as a goaltender as a general rule. And the, the wild thing for me in terms of his stats this year, you could go back before last night's shutout, and that was you know another great game. Had help from the posts, but it was another great game in a long line of great games. But we're also looking at three goals or more, and I think it was seven or eight games in a row that he gave up. Worth double-checking, but it's multiple games in a row, longer than you'd expect for Connor Hellebuck to give up three-plus every single night. And he's doing that while also leading or being top five in the NHL and goal saved above expectation. So the guy's saving a ton of pucks, a ton of dangerous pucks, still has a bunch going in. So then that's when you get emotions, like I think what you got from Alabama. Well, and, and you know, speaking of confidence, kind of t- tying this back to the Blake Wheeler conversation, I think it's part of the reason why Connor Hellebuck is the elite athlete that he is and just such a, a, a unique guy in that, you know, Blake Wheeler owned it 15 years, captain, and, you know, he had a rough stretch and, you know, the confidence was wavering. I don't think we will ever say that about Connor Hellebuck. I mean, his the belief he has in himself is uh, is top one percentile. Let's just say that. Yeah, absolutely, top percent of the percent. You could go NHL wide, <laughs> and he would be a unique animal. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm just I started daydreaming. Like, what would have to happen for him to say, you know what, guys? I'm not really sure about this right now. <laughs> it's impossible. That just doesn't. That's not in the realm of uh, realm of reality, Murat. Uh, no, zero, zero chance ever.
Um, now, uh, quickly, a third line. Um, nice for Adam Lowry to get rewarded with a couple goals last night. Um, you know, those will, they'll have a ton of plays like that. Sometimes they'll go in and sometimes they won't. But how important is that line, do you think? I mean, we focus so much on the Shifley line and Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, that unit. To me, when the third line is going for the Winnipeg Jets, spending more time in the other end, sort of setting the tone themselves that's the games where the Jets as a team are at their best. I agree with that as a general rule, particularly because I think in Canada, teams are so top-heavy. You have your Pedersons, you have um, you have your McDavid's and your Dreisaitl's, you have Matthews and Marner. There are teams that have players at a level, I would say, above Winnipeg's top line in terms of just the elite talent. Um, and usually it's the top line or it's that Kopp-Lowry-Appleton line that's getting those matchups. And whereas other teams are top-heavy, Winnipeg has that depth. And if, if Cop, Lowry, and Appleton are all over the other team's zone, it either means that they're dominating one of the best lines in hockey because they're going up against the elites, or it means that they've been able to attack maybe the soft underbelly of some of these teams that aren't quite as deep as the Winnipeg Jets are from a forwards perspective. I thought Blake Wheeler summed it up really well, saying he can, that that line makes Winnipeg a bit of a matchup nightmare, and then that's, that's where you go with it. And I think they deserve a lot of credit, not just for the the goals, but I mean, Lowry scores two. Cops driving the net on the second one, and he's or on the first one, part of me, and he's doing the cutback to set it up on on the other one as well. So um, all to say, I mean, I, I agree with you, and they need that. They need that because they're not going to get the McDavid just wins you a game by himself performance from from anyone because that's so rare. Cop and Lowry have been synonymous as that that pair on that role. We've had different guys, you know, have sort of been through that spot over the last few years. How important has Mason Appleton's um, development and his play so far been this year to the success of that line when they're going? Completely vital. Absolutely. The job was there. I would even say the job was there last year because you're not sure if Jack Rosalick's going to embrace the, uh, um, the the checking line role. Uh, he Jack Rossovic also played a little bit in the top six when injuries hit. So that line was available to Mason Appleton last year. Injuries got in the way. Day one of training camp, and I brought this up a couple of times. Day one of training camp, after practice is done, Adam Lowry's doing some drills. He's picking up pucks off the wall. He's doing some battle drills in the corner. And you know who's stapled to his hip is Mason Appleton. And for me, that is a real live human being, no analytics, no, it's just pure emotional way of saying, guys, this is my job. I want it. I'm asserting myself. You're not going to see Adam Lowry without me right now. He seizes the job, has a breakout season so far. Huge part of why that line drives so well. Do you, is Appleton, a, a, like, listen, I, I think the top six is pretty much going to stay the top six as it is right now. But given an injury, it's always, at least the last couple of years, a- Andrew Kopp has been the guy that will move up and down. Uh, to be honest, I think Matthew Perot has played his way into that conversation just with how effective he's been in limited minutes. But is Appleton a guy that you could see at some point, uh, if need be, getting the opportunity to play with the big guns in the top six? If opportunity arises, maybe through injury, maybe through a rethinking of how the lines are structured from a top six, bottom six sort of situation, you just look at his game, the way that he drives to turn the corner on people, the way that he turns the corner and then drives the net and is willing to crash and bang and score goals from his butt. I don't know what I'm allowed to say and not say on your show. Um, you but can like say he drives, I can say ass, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He scores goals from, from his ass. 
And I think that that's such a unique talent on the Winnipeg Jets, a unique skill set, and it's playoff ready to me. I look at that game and I say that that can succeed in the playoffs when the game gets especially violent. So I do see that. Cop, you like him for the possession aspect that he has, the defense, depending on what the line needs. But Mason Appleton, if you need that puck just trucked straight through the net the way a young Blake Wheeler might do, I think he's your guy. Murat Atesh of The Athletic is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Remo, get ready for this. I have a take. I have been waiting for this conversation to drop this take right now. And to be honest, the thought of this take being a legitimate take six months ago um, would have been insane. Marat, I have come to the... Now, granted, this assumes that they are not adding a defenseman at home, you know, somebody. Just given, given the current uh, roster composition of the Winnipeg Jets, I cannot see the Winnipeg Jets exposing Logan Stanley in the expansion draft. I think he's protected. Your thoughts? This is... A sea change, a seminal moment. This is something that we would not have considered six months ago. We wouldn't have considered on day one at camp. It was about midway through when it really started. Like Logan Stanley was just moving the puck better, faster, more efficiently than I I really ever thought that he would at the pro level. Um, And I wrote about that. So I, I am a little bit on that Logan Stanley train because you start seeing him make those quick decisions, move the puck out on that third pairing. It's heavily sheltered, but man, he's getting results on it. Right. Um, so who is he bumping out? Let's follow this through. Let's think this through. Because obviously heading into this season, it's supposed to be Josh Morrissey. It's supposed to be Neil Pionk. And ideally, it's Dylan DeMello, who you just signed for four years at $3 million, who I personally believe is Josh Morrissey's most ideal partner on that top pair. Uh, and theoretically, that means Logan Stanley hasn't impressed anybody so much that other teams are, are going to come calling for him. So then how are you going to game this out, Huss? Who comes out? Is it going to be Morrissey because you don't think somebody's going to take that money? I don't think that's realistic. No, no, I don't. And I'll give a shout-out to Matt Lang, who's a regular listener, who tweeted that yesterday, said that, you know, the Morrissey contract wouldn't be attracted to Seattle. I'm not there. I think a, a guy, I think if Josh Morrissey was available, a team that has no cap issues, and they're putting together a guy that can be a cornerstone of their team going forward, I think they'd jump at that in a second. To me, it's DeMello. And, I mean, it's not a slight on DeMello, but, you know, what got me thinking of this way is, like, look at what Derek Forbort is doing for the Winnipeg Jets right now on, you know, a one-year deal at, like, a million bucks. I think that it is going to be a buyer's market for those depth defensemen, um, you know, going forward. And to be honest, I mean, DeMello at $3 million, I mean, he's certainly not uh, underpaid. Um, You know, he's... You know, they've, there's some contract, there's some term on that. And if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, and I think of this as the way the organization has built this team as well, are they more tied into a guy that they basically signed as a UFA, although they did get in a trade, or to a player that they traded up in the first round, had a plan to play two years in junior, to play two years in the American Hockey League, and then you know graduate to the National Hockey League. And I just think that every single thing that Stanley has done this year has kind of, you know, reinforced the belief that the organization had him uh, had him in the first place. And if you're thinking about a guy long term to be out of the mix, is it Dylan DeMello or is it Logan Stanley? And as we sit here today, I've come around to I think it's Logan Stanley. Wow. So that the logic of what you're saying makes sense to me. I, I, I really do see 
Especially because Logan Stanley is such an obvious, his skills are obvious, right? You, you're never going to miss him on the ice. You're going to notice him when he's having a good game. You're going to notice him. And I, I'm fairly sure, at least the folks that I've talked to within the Jets, there are passionate opinions about Logan Stanley. Not everybody believed he would become this, but um, there's a lot of people who were really in his corner, to my understanding. And I think that when you get that kind of passion and you, you project forward, he's only 22 years old, and you think, well, a guy his size, it's going to take a little while. They've got that emotional foot-in-the-door investment in him sort of thing. I, I buy that. And then when you go to Dylan DeMello, I mean, I think that that would be a really astute pickup for the Seattle Kraken, to tell you the truth. Um, I value a guy who moves the puck so well out of his end that it turns into to offense, even if he's not getting a second assist, he might get the third or fourth if those were things. I value a guy with that um, that impact. I also caution, this does not negate the argument. I think Logan Stanley, you just made the case, and I could see Winnipeg protecting him. But I would caution folks looking at Logan Stanley's numbers and comparing them to any other Winnipeg Jets defenseman's numbers right now because when you think of the usage that he gets, he's the only one that's been third pairing exclusively. Nathan Beaulieu bumped up, Tucker Pullman bumped up, Dylan DeMello bumped up. That's going to affect the numbers, those plus minus numbers that a lot of people like to look at. It'll even affect, you know, shot attempts. You know, Logan Stanley's firing all those wristers from the point too. So he's going to look, you're going to really have to trust your eye test because he's going to look a little bit disproportionately good right now compared to his competition from the analytics and from the plus minus numbers. No, I, I will buy that. I, I will absolutely buy that. But again, um, you know, when you're talking about protecting a player when we're, you know, dealing with, you know, an expansion draft, you know, yeah, there's part of it is the present, but also it's the future. And I mean, I just can't help but see how Logan Stanley looks better, more comfortable each and every game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he actually gets that opportunity, depending on injury and whatnot, to play higher up in the lineup at times. Because I think he's earning more trust and confidence of the head coach, uh, confidence that I think a lot of people in the organization already had on him, and it's all coming to fruition. And then I come back to this question. You know, say you had to make that difficult decision. You know, you really want to keep Stanley and you really want to keep DeMello. And you got to protect one of the guys, and then maybe you're going to make a deal to, you know, have that, that other guy not picked. What's the cost? Is the cost more to have them not take DeMello or not take a 6'7", 22-year-old that just sort of showed that he's ready for the NHL? I think it's the big guy. So that's why I'm protecting him and working out. I think there'll be more DeMello-like options out there, potentially at a lower price, um, than there will be Logan Stanley's out there available in the expansion draft. Right. So you're, you're, you're trying to... You're not playing the hand, you're playing the, the other person at the table in terms of poker terminology, right? I mean, you're looking at Seattle and you're saying, what's going to be appealing? Well, Dylan DeMello might slip through the cracks in, in an awful hurry. Logan Stanley, you're invested in him yourself, but also he's the sort of person that's going to catch the eye. So you, you probably think Seattle could have a strong look at them. The other thing that I think about, let's go with your way. Let's protect Stanley, expose Dylan DeMello. Then you got to pivot your thinking to, you know, to Winnipeg's forward group. Now, I don't think Mason Appleton ends up exposed at this stage. There's going to be some games played requirements, whether it's Toninato, whether it's Harkins, whether it's somebody else, whether Lowry is re-signed before the season. What, there, there's some work to do up front, but it may be that there are forwards even more impressive, more young, cheap, uh, with a little bit of a brighter upside long-term than DeMello, too. So maybe Winnipeg makes out it out of the whole thing with all of its defensemen. You, we've got some interesting chat, um, uh, chat on uh, this topic. Uh, Mike Chapman, logically, DeMello makes sense because I think we survive without him, 
but he may not even be taken so we could get away unscathed. But Stanley hasn't truly been exposed, so maybe we offer him and Seattle says no. And Derek Ingram, shout out D.I., great to have you in on the Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily this afternoon. Tough to teach a guy to be 6'7". May turn out to be a poor man's char, I hope, but he is uh, dust right now. I mean, the guy has... You know, as I said, the, the, the turnaround in the narrative around Stanley, once people actually saw him play and gave him a chance, has been has been really one of the great stories, I think, uh, you know, around the Winnipeg Jets this season. And, you know, it's easy to focus on, you know, the top line and Hellebuck and all that. But, I mean, if you had told any Jet fan that at this point in the season we'd be talking about Stanley as an NHL regular and potentially a guy important enough to the future of the franchise to be protected in the expansion draft, not a lot of people would have bought in, but it really is, I mean, a, a, one of the great stories around this season that has the Jets challenging for first place as well. I wouldn't have believed it as recently as fall. I wrote a top 20 Winnipeg prospects. I talked to scouts inside, like around the league, who weren't necessarily projecting Logan Stanley to be an NHL regular. I talked to people who knew his game very, very well, who didn't see it either. It, for me, was the scrimmage. I think it was the first scrimmage. It was a Wednesday of training camp where he just picked pucks out of the corner and moved them quickly, put his partners in good positions in a way that that wasn't the advertisement for me. With a guy that size, he was supposed to play the game in front of him, lay the body, clean the front of the net, and all of a sudden he's distributing the puck. And you're like, hey, this guy probably thinks a little bit faster than uh, that rumors uh, had it for, for him. And, and all of a sudden, I, I think, actually the last thing I want to say, I sometimes criticize the minute difficulty. I say he's sheltered. But it's not his fault. He's killing the minutes that he has. And you, you, in terms of playing the game in front of you, that's all you can ask. Well, and, and you know, we all know Paul Maurice. I mean, Paul Maurice is a guy that, you know, as a young player, you really have to earn that trust. And, I mean, you're not being put in those situations unless the coach feels that, you know, you are better at it than other guys on the club right now. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, the way that he has handled Stanley um, when he's been in the lineup, I think is really. I think Paul Maurice has done a good job of putting Logan Stanley in the best position for him to succeed, and more so than any other player, Marat, because of all the baggage that surrounded him and that pick for the last four years. I think that was maybe more important for Stanley than it would be almost any other young defenseman coming in and getting their first real consistent taste of NHL hockey. Well, I've never had a long conversation with Logan Stanley about what that means to him, that those expectations, whether anything trickled into his consciousness. But it, like I agree with you, that degree of sheltering, that's what you want for a rookie professional defenseman. That You don't want, I mean, even somebody with Sammy Niku's experience being thrown right to the first pair beside Josh Morrissey in his couple of games in the season, right? You don't necessarily want Billy Hanela doing that same thing. If you're going to bring up a defenseman really conscientiously, to me, Give him a good veteran partner, at sheltered minutes, see what he can do, see how it goes. I mean, quality of teammate is particularly important, but also those minutes that you get, especially the difference between the top four and the third pairing can be really big. So I agree with you. I wanted to name some other names because I agree with you. Logan Stanley has been treated exactly the right way to ease a guy in, and I don't think that's been the case for everybody. No, no, I think, you know, it's that sometimes you learn lessons from um, from the success and failures of, of other people. And, I mean, you can say what you want about Maurice. The guy's got more ex- experience than anybody. So um, he does have a lot, to, uh, a lot to lean on. And I would say from an organizational standpoint as well, um, you know, when you talk about it, like Logan Stanley may turn out to be the ultimate draft and develop pick when you think about it. I mean, so often the first rounders are counted on to be contributing relatively early in their career it was the exact opposite opposite for Stanley and if things continue to trend the way they are 
they will be proven right at pretty much every every step of the way. And that is why I really do think that his future is in Winnipeg. And that may mean that he has to be protected in uh, in the expansion draft. And what a wild conversation to be having today, huh, Marat? Absolutely. You're right. But he's one of their guys and he's covering the bet, especially this season, the emotional investment. You changed the way I think today. I had not gone that far down this road until right now, and I think I'm there with you. Well, and and here's the thing. That could all change uh, tomorrow if um, a big trade is made. Where are you at right now, in particular the target of Ekholm? Um, you know, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks in a number of different forums and media. Um, it, it does seem right now, especially when you see a performance like the Jets had last night, um, that you know there's a lot of potential with this club, and I think most people would agree that getting a player of Ekholm's stature to come in, not just for this year, but for another year to help along the likes of new NHLers likely Dylan Sandberg and Billy Hainala could be huge for the organization. I guess the question is, how much demand is it? How, how high will that price go for the Nashville Predators? And even though they're in different divisions right now, how will they feel about Ekholm playing for Winnipeg next year when things get back to normal in the Central Division? I guess that the edge comes off that a little bit because you get out of it this season at, at the very least, but that's a good point, right? You never want to see your mistake come and bite you uh, necessarily. Um, I think Mat- Matthias Ekholm is the ideal player. I mean, his cap hit is so manageable. Um, his performance is genuinely has been top pair caliber for so long. He can play it any way you like it. He can contribute a little bit of offense, a lot of offense at times. Um, he, he has a mean streak. Uh, and the fact that he's under contract next season as well shores up that left side, which I think actually has suddenly become, um, you know, uh, a, a place that might need shoring up with so few co- defensemen under contract next year. I think the prices are going to be high. I think that the more that I talk to folks, whereas Winnipeg might like to get out of it with pure futures, a first and one of its depth prospect defensemen, you might hear Dylan Sandberg's name come up. And what a shame that would be after all of this time that Winnipeg spent waiting for him to make his pro debut. And I think he's been good with the moose so far. So there's kind of a, a bit of a, a knife for you. Or a, two sides of uh, the same blade. That's not a phrase. You can go with that, though. <laughs> um, for me, it's it just comes down to this. I, I, I see people on Twitter sometimes, Winnipeg's a paper tiger. They're not that good. They're not dominant. Whatever you think about that, for me, Winnipeg has a few years left of these excellent forwards. And now you have Paul Stastny. Now you have Adam Lowry for sure unrestricted free agents both of them this summer Blake Wheeler's 34 he's good he's we've seen his impact recently especially but how long is that gonna last how do you go through those how do you look at those forwards and Winnipeg's goaltender and not think well that it's worth going futures heavy again for for somebody who can add hey quickly Murat uh, Dieter Statinger shout out to Dieter in the chat uh, was wondering what do you think about Josh Manson as a trade option we've heard his name bandied about in the last few days you know, I keep seeing, my, my familiarity with his game is really metrics-based right now, and I keep seeing suggestions that he's been underwhelming in the last little while, that there's a there was a high ceiling once projected for him, for sure, and that he hasn't necessarily delivered. And then for it to really have a really intelligent opinion on him, that needs studying team, teammates, all of those sorts of things, because I don't want to overstate things, because I go back to Neil Pionk, and after the fact, looking at New York's defensive schemes, paying attention, doing the deep dive on the video, you know, in the weeks following that trade, you realize New York's defense was awful and should have been awful. And 
some of these defensive impacts don't necessarily follow a guy from team to team. So to be quite honest, I need to know more about Josh Manson in a video perspective to really know. Marat, uh, big game tomorrow. Jets will try to make it two in a row in Vancouver and then get ready for the Calgary Flames. What do you have cooking at the Athletic coming up this week? Well, one of my favorite things that happened on the internet, it was my own mistake, my clear mistake earlier this year when Cole Perfetti scored his first professional hockey league goal and i tried to present him as the new king simba style lion king and i used the wrong gif and i threw him off a pride rock (laughs) (laughs) and that went around and then i doubled down on it somebody's like oh that's a weird thing to say i just thought that they were commenting on the lion king like why would i say that and then i watched the whole thing it was already around the internet by then (laughs) so i got texts from his dad from family members from like so many people that I, that don't normally talk to me necessarily were, were messaging me to laugh at that. So we've got the Q&A, finally talked to Cole Perfetti about that. That went up yesterday. And then from here on in, it will be focusing on the trade, trade deadline. It will be deep diving the video on guys like Ekholm or uh, Josh Manson or the other possibilities and dark horses that you might throw in a fixed way. Well, and uh, and if you want to write on, uh, could Logan Stanley possibly be protected by the Winnipeg Jets in the expansion draft? You've got another thing on the list coming up for the uh, great work you do in the athletic. With attribution. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> You're the best. Murat, thanks so much. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And uh, we'll look forward to doing this again soon. We really appreciate you joining us. Right on. Thanks for having me, guys. Good stuff. There he is, Marat Atesh. If you're not already following him, I'm sure you are. It's at Marat WPG, and you can check out his work in The Athletic. Uh, Really looking forward to this next segment. Rick Ralph is teed up in the bullpen, ready to join us. Um, We do want to thank Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Dairy Queen Northgate, Dairy Queen Polo Park, Dairy Queen Niverville, and Dairy Queen St. Anne's. Of course, it's springtime. That means getting outside, getting some ice cream. Um, and maybe an ultimate grill burger, the most underrated burger in the field, I will tell you. Um, so check it out. And to be honest, maybe you need to work off a couple of those blizzards. It's time to get outside. And Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway, 650 Rally and EK, has you ready for spring and summer. It is your outdoor headquarters. They are loaded with camping, wake surf, skateboarding. The bike shop is open right now. All the top brands of activewear in their newly expanded fitness department. So uh, as we hopefully squeeze out of this period of our lives that have involved being inside so much, it's time to get outside and Royal Sports is your number one stop to uh, get ready for spring. Pop down and tell them the guys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right, let's do this. We had a lot of fun with the big rig yesterday and now it's time to welcome in our longtime partner on the afternoon ride on TSN 1290, the one and only king of the Maritimes himself, Rick Ralph. Rick, what is up? It's great to talk to you again, my friend. Good to speak with you, Huss. I hope you've been well. It was nice to connect with Remus a little bit earlier, and I'll just assume he's unmuted me and everybody can hear me. <laughs> yeah, he has. You know, listen, there there have been some, uh, a, you know, overall, a few kinks as we've worked through this for the first couple weeks. But uh, sure. I, I have to say, Remus has, um, he, he is, he's done a great job. Uh, maybe shocking to some, um, but he is getting us on the air. He, he is the chief technical officer of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and uh, there's a lot on his plate. Yeah, he was, uh, I said, how do you want to do this? He said, I'll send you a link, just click on it, and next thing you know, everything works. So I thought, okay, uh, a little bit of a different setup here, a little bit of duct tape, if you will, and uh, not really set up like maybe Remus's basement is, but uh, it's a work in progress here if we decide to go down that road. Well, it's good. It's been a crazy month for all of us. We uh, had a great chance to catch up with uh, with Jim, and uh, we'll talk Jets in a minute, but... Uh, 
how 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 have you been? How have you been enjoying all this free time over the last month? <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got the slowest build going on of anybody in building a basement bar. It's not <laughs> quite done yet. It's one step at a time. Some days I feel like doing it. Today it was snowing outside. That's not really good for cutting wood outside. So I thought, well, take a day off from that. But that's kind of what I'm doing. And up first thing in the morning, checking the markets. I, you know, the financial aspect is is kind of a hobby of mine. So. Uh, I don't have to keep track as much of the jet stuff anymore. So a little more on the market side. Well, you know, and uh, it, it's funny. I mean, you obviously being a you know a former journalism professor and coming through Toronto before coming here have you know such great experience in the business. And uh, it was you who told Remus and myself numerous times that you know they say that you never really made it in in this business until you've been fired. So uh, <laughs> I guess we've made it, Rick. <laughs> Well, I made it 11 years ago, and uh, that was the first time it got blown out. Uh, my mother, my late mother now, of course, had a perpetual calendar, I think I've told you, <laughs> and marked down June 24th, uh, 2010, as being removed or excused, as my brother used to uh, call it. And so that was the first time I'd been punted to the sidelines, and now here again a second time. So, But there is, I was told as a student, and I used to pass it on to the students as well over a decade. And so funny, Marissa Roberto, who uh, is the digital host there of TSN, and uh, TSN's bar down, she had tweeted out the day that a lot of the changes were being made to say that her instructor had told her and everybody that that time would come. And, um, you know, she saw a lot of people around her. And uh, and I, I, the one thing I did for the students was that it wasn't to scare them. It's to say, look, there are changes in this industry from time to time. And don't feel bad if it happens to you. You'll find your way back. And that's how I found my way to Winnipeg. Well, and, and, and you know, honestly... Um... You know, we've seen how you know thousands of industries and businesses have been affected through the pandemic, and we won't get into why certain decisions were made or, or whatnot. But I, I will say this: um, from a personal standpoint, you know, being there, and I mean, you got there basically. I mean, Gary and I came on; we started on the summer. You were there a few months afterwards, and really starting at the beginning of twelve ninety, being right there until the end. Um, I think if it was going to end, I, I was more happy to kind of be blown out with everyone as part of a uh, corporate <laughs> nuclear bomb than sort of being there dying on the vine. And, you know, it's been amazing. And I know you've heard it really from since February 8th or 9th or whatever the day was that everything happened. Um, the connection that so many people in our market had with us and the people on this station and how big sports talk was a part of so many people's lives. And I think that was what was sort of stunning about the decision and just the fact that it pretty much disappeared overnight. Yeah, and, you know, the, the first time it happened to me, it was a collection of individuals, not as large, um, but it was it was contained to one station and, and a change. And you'll see it throughout the, the industry that there's changes that continue to go. You see it in television. It's just the way things go. But to your point, too, the connection that people have, especially with sports fans, right, connected to the team and it just so happened the Jets had come back and the sports station then took off. It was Sports Talk 1290 and then of course uh, the brand came aboard and uh, and I think that's kind of what becomes a, a, almost a daily routine or a ritual um, that you build with the listeners as you go ahead and and it started a little bit slow. It built. It, it got to the point where it really quite surprised me the number of people that we had and, and the ratings that we did. Um, but that was a testament, I think, to uh, the excitement of here in the city and around the province of the sports fans. 
No, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, we've seen this since kind of getting this going. I mean, the the fact, and I don't know where the business overall is going. I just do know that you know the ability to do things on your own is you know light and light years ahead of where it would have been ten years ago, for instance, with technology and you know, and obviously making those connections. But um, you know, it, it, it'll really be interesting to see because I mean, I think the one thing that we know is that a city like Winnipeg. Um, has the has the sports fans is is about as passionate a sports city. I mean, if if this format is going to work anywhere, I would say it works here in Winnipeg. Whether that happens in the future, I'm not sure, or whether it's just a complete pivoting of the way content is delivered, sort of like what we're trying to do right now, filling the void, having fun, doing very similar stuff to what we used to do, just without the benefit of having it live on the AM dial. Yeah, it could be very different in, say, two or three years if the CRTC decides to relax some of their regulations. And then all of a sudden we could see quite a bit of change. But until then, um, it's still, a, you know, I'm with you. Don't know where it's going. I heard Broadway Bill, who's a uh, uh, broadcaster in New York City and still working. And I get a kick out of watching him online every now and then. He's on the music side. But he thinks that, you know, the radio side could take a little bit of a threat when artificial intelligence or self-driving vehicles come into the market. So hopefully that's a ways away yet. I'll still want to drive my own car, I think. There might be the odd time where I need something else to drive it. But, um, <laughs> you know, that was his opinion. That he thought if there's anything that will push radio aside, because there's been talk for it for years, you know, about radio being pushed aside. It's proved that, you know, as long as you're local, um, it seems to work and people get a kick out of it still. Oh, man, Rick Ralph's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. People are loving the return of Double R to the program. Taylor <laughs> Yule says Rick Ralph. Tom S. is all fired up for Rick. Tom Zappia, Maritime Math Rocks, Slick Rick. Great to see and hear Rick Ralph. And Tom says, ask if you notice how straight blade keep your head up. Ralph is doing one of the most legendary callers in the history of TSN 1290. We did catch up with him before the station shut down. Uh, and he was sort of... Hanging out, doing his thing through the pandemic. I mean, you think about certainly seniors, you know, through this time. I mean, the radio was a way that so many of them did connect yeah. and stay connected to it. Um, and, you know, we should mention, I mean, one of our favorites, Shelley, the poet, um, passed away just, I think it may have been the, the final day that we were on the air. Yeah. Of course, we lost Cosmic Weird Bob time. last year. Um, but, I mean, certainly dating back to when you started doing the post games, some pretty incredible characters that uh, happened to be on the line or... Many even showed up at the Boston Pizza back when the post game show was in the lounge and things got a little rowdy before we had to move it to the dining room. <laughs> yeah, that's when things are a little more unpredictable when we were uh, broadcasting out of the lounge just as you entered Boston Pizza City Place. And, and the staff was great to us there the whole time. Um, but it was funny. There's the unpredictable when you're around the bar side and especially late at night when it became 11 or 12. Met a lot of great people though. Um, sometimes on the air, sometimes it was off the air. I sat till close with a bunch of farmers from Brandon after one of the games. Um, and trying to think of some of the other people that would come through. Not always. A lot would come up and just start talking to you, not realizing that you're on the air. You're listening to somebody else on the line. Somebody like Shelley the Poet, as you mentioned, or Cosmic Bob, who came later in the programming. Not, I don't remember him calling when we were in the lounge, but once we were in the restaurant, which is probably a good thing because I would have missed the comment where he painted his microwave and it blew up on him. It was always, you know, really entertaining. Ralph in St. James, I haven't been in contact with him. I have his address. I have his phone number. I'll have to reach out to Ralph um, because we do have a connection on the military side out in Atlantic Canada. We never met, never knew one another down there. He's a little bit older than I am. 
Um, but it was always fun. He was kind of like the ribbon cutting to the show is the way I looked at it. It was the ceremonial face-off. <laughs> Absolutely. And then off we moved into the collars. You got uh, Dan and St. Patel, who I always, he always asked four questions. I always agree with the first three and disagree with the last one because I just knew it was going to happen that way. Um, David in Calgary always seemed to be upset about things when he called. Dawn in the West End. I told her she should move to the East End. She didn't understand why. I left that with her. You know, so there was a little bit of, as much as there was the game itself and discussing, hey, look, if it was an angry loss and people were emotional, there wasn't as much kidding around and we were straight-laced about it. But on the average night, if there wasn't a lot going on, and sometimes we could get a lot off top. A bass playing Brian used to call from Windsor Park, and I'd ask where he'd be playing. And uh, I never made it to any of his gigs, but I certainly have the time to do so and when things permit. Bass playing Brian was a favorite of mine, and who could forget all the predictions on a nightly basis from yes. Todd and St. B? Yes. <laughs> yes, I wish he could work into the stock market. I would have been a little more curious on that one, but he, he was aggressive or bullish, shall they say, when it came to the Jets and his predictions. Yeah, no doubt about that. Rick Rouse with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. You know, um, well, uh, it's a little different now not doing it every day. And you kind of mentioned, you know, you're doing financial stuff in and around. But stepping away for a month from having to talk about it each and every day. What have you you noticed or thought about the Jets and where they're at right now coming off that win last night? But a couple tough nights against the Edmonton Oilers on the weekend. Well, they're right in the thick, right? Like that North Division is still pretty tight. As much as you keep looking ahead, I've always been one to look behind to see who's coming behind. And, and Calgary and Vancouver, that was a good win. That was a great win last night, I thought, by the Jets. Surprise, it's Hellebuck's first shutout of the season. Because, again, he's been called upon, again, as the MVP. And the thing I've noticed since, you know, I stopped following them regularly every day and analyzing their stats, I dug out the numbers again today and have a look to see how things were going and it's very familiar territory. Hellebuck, again, facing a lot of shots. Um, Thatcher Demko is the guy with the number of pucks more so than Hellebuck, but he's number two. Vasilevsky's played 30 less minutes, but has also faced 100 fewer shots. So there's a lot of pressure on Hellebuck, again, to perform. A 9.13 save percentage has been good. But again, the high danger opportunities, the scoring chances that the Winnipeg Jets are allowing, they're in the 30th, you know, out of 31 teams, and it's not good. A place to be but they survived on that way last year and they're doing it again this year the question I think is on defense we hear a lot of chatter from the insiders about you know the Jets needing some help on defense I think everybody knows that and it'll be up to Kevin Chevalier off to see what he can do to kind of bolster this defense because their power play has been really good it's in the top almost in the top five in the league we haven't seen that in a long time the penalty kill is almost around 80 percent so think there are some really encouraging spots with the club but the defensive side of things is a little bit concerning, I think, at this point and continues to be. Yeah, and the power play is interesting because I think if there was one area that I think a lot of people were concerned might take a significant hit in the aftermath of the line A trade was the power play. But, you know, to their credit, they switched it around. It is sort of funny that Neil Pionk and Nikolai Ehlers and Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, three of the most important offensive players right now are on that top unit. Um, but it does give Paul Maurice two different looks. And, I mean, they've been they've been quite successful, and that you know is imperative to make the most of those power play opportunities if you want to beat the likes of Edmonton and Toronto and be in contention for this Canadian division. Well, we didn't see that right with Dubois when he first came in. Of course, he needed some time to find his legs. He'd spent two weeks hanging out in his in his house with his dogs. As uh, one of the last guys, I think we had a chance to to speak to was Dubois. But it's taken some while to get acclimated, and then the coaches take a little while to move some people around. And you mentioned the power play now and what it looks like, an awful lot different than what it was when Liney was here or even Liney and Bufflin. 
and yet it's more successful than when those two individuals were here. And that's not to say that those two weren't good players, but sometimes the mix becomes a little bit better. And so with some patience, I think we've seen, I mean, I've been looking at a lot of numbers for the last number of years. I don't remember the power play running at 25%, especially this late into a season. So that, that to me is a real bonus. And, and that speaks to the talent that they've got up front because they're not getting the offense from the back end, right? Yeah, no, that's I mean, that has been sort of one of the, the stories. I mean, I think five goals on the blue line, the league low so far this season, but um, winning games and sometimes leaning a bit more on that guy in the pipes, and he has been brilliant. Hey, shout out to Wayne Jones, who's tuning in from Norway. We're big in Norway, by the way, Rick. Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, huge. Well, it's in the- funny you mentioned Norway. Now, is he listening on Because I've received emails, or I used to anyway, from somebody living on the west coast of Norway. And, uh, and it's always fun because it was John in Atlanta that used to call the post-game show, and there was a couple of guys in England that used to call over. But, uh, but we have, you're right, there's been listeners, you know, on the West Coast, I'm pretty sure it's Norway. Um, there was a little bit of Sweden, too, but, uh, and one from Finland. But uh, it's not uncommon to hear from the folks from Norway. It reminds me of the people I wish I'd have met, well, I met them in a pub in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, they didn't speak any English. I wasn't Norwegian anyway, but we spoke for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, what do you think Buff's doing right now? <laughs> That's a great question. With the ice uh, melting now, I imagine this is a tough time of year for him because you can't go ice fishing, and it's not exactly you know springtime weather. You have to get out there in the boat. So that's a good good question. Every now and then, I do wonder. I wonder what's up with Buff. I, I and, wonder uh, it and that would all be the kind time. Of a great segment to be able to do if there was any kind of way of finding out what's going on. I think people would be surprised that uh, maybe not much is going on. One of the one of the great things for hockey fans and certainly fans here in Winnipeg is if if there was some light switch that went on in Buff's head and all of a sudden he decided he wanted to be out there and get on social media and just just document the life and times of Buff. Um, he he could make as much as he did playing hockey just off the amount of people that would want to watch Buff be Buff in regular life. Yeah, it'd be fun just to see the odd video from him because he wasn't really into being interviewed, so I'd be shocked if that ever happens. But uh, who knows? Over time, things change. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Just a first tweet, hey, what's up? You know, just <laughs> kind of open that floodgate and see where it goes from there. But I don't know that he... Well, I do know that he's got no interest in doing any of that kind of stuff because even when he was a player, he didn't enjoy doing it. Well, and it doesn't seem like he has any interest in playing hockey. I mean, I think we kind of saw the writing on the wall after that, but I did see his wife put out an Instagram video last week, maybe, of a gift from Andrew Ladd to Buff, and it was a pair of custom Air Jordan or Nike shoes that were designed and painted with the Thrashers, the Blackhawks, the Cup, the Jets on it. And it came in this box, and it was it was unbelievable. I don't know who it was. Obviously, custom made a big wooden box that kind of celebrated his career, and it was certainly put out as if it was a a retirement gift. But as I said, Buff never did anything the ordinary way. Um, he's probably retired, hasn't really told anyone he's retired, and just going doing his thing. So if you see a guy in flashy shoes with uh, the the Thrashers, the Jets logos on them, and a Stanley Cup, the the right one's silver, uh, it's probably Big Buff. Yeah, I'd be surprised to see him in such shoes, uh, you know, kind of inkling like it may be a court shoe. I can't imagine Buff being on the basketball court or a tennis court. He could prove me wrong. but And I don't think he'd wear them fishing. So I'm not sure where you might see those. Um, used to spot them into some of the local watering holes in the southwest uh, part of the city. But uh, now, of course, with some of those uh, restrictions being a little bit lifted but not being able to gather in groups, I haven't... I, 
I haven't seen Buff, I don't think, since he, he retired. No, uh, you're going to love this. Wayne Jones in Norway has just informed us that Bufflin is actually Norwegian. It means the city bird. <laughs> There's a little bit of right? learning See, going not, on today. That does come as a surprise, really. <laughs> Having looked into history, I found um, England, Ireland, and Scotland. I can't imagine how all those families came together at that time to lead my family over here. But uh, no connection to Norway. It's funny that Buff really have no surprise, should be from linked back to Norway. Oh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, getting some great comments here in the chat. Thanks for everyone to be there and hit that like button while you're there. Um, uh, Nicole J said, I follow his wife on Instagram. Uh, they recently got a new ATV. So that's what Buff will be doing the next little while, riding around the ATV. I wonder if he's watched a single hockey game since he left. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and I think, I, I, what was it, the podcast? It was a podcast that had they were talking not not they were talking about him but they didn't have him oh on. i think it was on chicklets it was a couple yes, of like old yes. guys for, yeah yeah so i think it might have been duncan keith too that was talking yeah. about having him into chicago's camp and then and, and he didn't know any of the guys that had played before him and just and hadn't watched hockey it, which is you know it's different i do know some former nhl players that just don't really pay attention to the game anymore don't follow it all and are off doing other stuff but buff was kind of like that while he was playing even before he was drafted. So different bird, as my grandmother would say, but I always found him entertaining. Um, but he's not locked into the game like many of us would think he would be. In a perfect world, we get an off-season sitcom featuring Buff and Connor Hellebuck together and just their interesting conversations. That, uh... <laughs> Do we have Adam Hardy as a regular contributor to that? <laughs> Absolutely. He could be the narrator, the host uh, of it all, if you will. <laughs> um, hey, Rick, you know we've talked a lot of hockey and just catching up. Uh, I am interested in um, what you thought about the news a couple weeks ago about the Canadian Football League apparently going into these talks with the XFL. Um I mean, my thought was, I mean, I don't know how far down the road they are, but just the fact that it's being considered, my reaction was, wow, things are really, really desperate for the Canadian Football League. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard it, and what do you think this means for this season and going forward? Well, I think it never hurts to talk. It never hurts to have a conversation. Whether anything comes out of it or not, we'll see. But it certainly doesn't hurt to talk. You can maybe get ideas, share ideas, and Look, let's face it, both these leagues, the Canadian Football League to me has had a little more success than the XFL has. Um, this would be quite aggressive if we saw a merger between these two. I'd be interested to know what the Canadian, um, you know, how much of it is adapted by the Canadian law, uh, not laws, but the rules that the league has. Because we've got such a history here, just passing 100 years, you'd hate to think that there'd be any compromise in that regard. But when you're starting to see, you know, things move forward, things change, companies take over other companies, um, you know, it maybe it's inevitable that something does come out of that. Because as we'd heard from Randy Ambrosi, anytime we interviewed him, Huss, always looking to grow the game and looking for other uh, ways to raise revenue. And within Canada, that's very limited. Well, And, and, and yet that's kind of the protection, what's made this game, I think, really attractive to the people in this country. But at the same time, they've been expanding, looking at, you know, playing games or at least getting players out of Mexico, um, Australia, New Zealand, England, that sort of thing. So not surprising. Again, conversations are one thing. We'll see if anything comes out of it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I think part of it is, um, you know, and we've talked about this back on the ride. I mean, the, how things are changing, especially when it comes to sports betting, wagering, being legalized in a lot of places. And football is just the kingpin of all betting sports. 
um, you know, if they were able to, and, and it would be a fundamental shift from the when the Canadian Football League plays right now, but move the schedule up so that you're starting a lot earlier and ending around Labor Day, going into NFL season and being that football league that is on the other. I, I, I think that that is sort of what they're, you know, what the best case scenario for them going forward, if you actually did have some sort of a merger, if you will, and that, you know, you've got a bigger league, but you're playing, you've got good exposure, you've got interest from a wagering side of things, and you're doing it not head-to-head with the National Football League, but essentially leading into the NFL season with an opportunity for some players that do well in the league to maybe graduate to the top league in the world for the big money. Yeah, I think there's a number of things there that would be attractive to both sides at the same time. You know that the challenge to me within the Canadian Football League has been the individual cities and how different they are across the country and how maybe the Winnipeg Blue Bombers don't want to play on a Friday or a Saturday, you know, in the summer because folks want to go to their cabin. So there are those kind of challenges, I think, that will exist. But, you know, would that get rid of the Labor Day games? Would it change it where your playoffs are now Labor Day games? Would there be a new tradition there? You know, some people, they don't like change. There'd be a lot of opposition to that, I would think. But sometimes change is inevitable. Otherwise, if you don't change, things die. And uh, I think that's kind of what, not to say the Canadian Football League is on the verge of dying, but this pandemic's been tough on everybody and certainly hasn't helped the Canadian Football League whatsoever, I wouldn't think, plus some of the companies that those uh, owners own. Well, no doubt. I mean, there's some people will t- that will tell you that the Canadian Football League is in danger of dying. And, you know, we had Dave Naylor on the day that he broke that news. And, and he said, you know, as we sit here right now, he doesn't think that the ownership of the BC Lions, the Toronto Argonauts, or the Montreal Alouettes want to play this year. And if that is the case, you know, your three biggest cities, the biggest markets in the league, if they can't stomach playing, then something has to change. And, um, you know, we know that the stress that it's put on the organizations here in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, two of the most successful teams, What like what's left of the other clubs right now? And that's why it seems to be such a precarious time for the Canadian Football League. Remember, they're the one league that had to cancel a season. A lot of the other ones that have good enough TV deals, they were able to do what they could do to get back on and play. And, you know, listen, the Jets are going to take a big loss this year, but they thought it was important to do it. When you don't play and you don't have the ability to do that, um, that gets you in a more precarious situation which i think is sort of where the cfl is right now and why we're hearing these reports of um some things that would have been unthinkable a year or two ago yeah you know and it's, you get into the big markets you mentioned toronto and vancouver and montreal i mean and, and it's funny that those are the places that you know don't like the canadian football league on fire instead it's winnipeg it's saskatchewan it's edmonton and to a degree it's calgary i mean you can even throw hamilton into the mix but the big centers have had a hard time with the Canadian Football League. And, you know, the National Football League has had a deal with the Buffalo Bills a number of years ago with Rogers in, in Toronto to put a number of games there. I mean, Ted Rogers was looking and was being pushed to look, I think, at the time about bringing an NFL team into Canada. And it's just been a real struggle there. I don't know that there's been an, an, any of the owners that have owned anything in Toronto have made any money off of it. And that becomes a bit of a tough thing. And it's certainly a tough pill, I think, for like folks here in Winnipeg to swallow when they see the success of what a team can have here. It's a much different market in Toronto and in Vancouver and in Montreal. And uh, I can understand if those owners say, you know what, be better off not playing. I don't doubt them. No, no doubt. Rick Ralph's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Now, Rick, um, ever since you began here on 1290 doing the Jets post games and the roundtable, you put together the running log of the 10-game segments. Yeah. Now, 
uh, at now over the course of the past year, the the new ten game segment list was the COVID number list. Yeah. Have you have you continued updating your list uh, over yeah. the past? That's right, right there. Okay, so I mean, uh, what's going on with the variant, and uh, are we gonna? Uh, are we going to be out of this soon, or is this third wave potential going to be something we're still dealing with through the next few months? Well, I was listening, uh, I mean, this morning, some people in, in Calgary were talking about, you know, today was supposed to be the day that things were supposed to change, and they were supposed to move to that next level, and Alberta said, no, um, that's not going to be the case, because they're worried about the variant. We, we've had, you know, our share of the variant here. It's not as bad as it, is, it seems in Ontario or Quebec, or BC, or Alberta, but doesn't mean that it won't get that way here. I think uh, it hasn't changed very little anyway in the last four or five days. The cases were up a little bit today in the province, around 93 on 1,500 plus testing. So, you know, the number, the positivity rate continues to creep up a little bit. That, I think, is a little bit worrisome. It doesn't feel like we're all in a race, yet none of us are moving. (laughs) We're all in a race to try and get vaccinated, but nobody can move. You have to stay home. And it's the variant that's marching. And I've seen some epidemiologists say, well, you know, if you're going to get into a race with the variant, with the vaccine, the variants are going to win. So hopefully that's not the case here. Everybody can kind of hang on maybe for another 60 to 90 days. And when everybody finally does have that shot in the arm, away we can go. Well, we, we are getting some great news. I mean, I know my parents um, have a uh, appointment to get vaccinated. Yesterday it expanded to 65 plus. I mean, I think that when we get to the point where everyone over the age of 60, say, um, that has had the opportunity to do it, has been vaccinated. Um, th- that's the next point where I think we can sort of hopefully move forward because, of course, those are the people um, that have had the most se- severe complications of the uh, of the virus. But I, 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 will, I can't wait to be having conversations about sports, about the city, about stuff that don't involve COVID-19. But unfortunately, we're just not quite there yet. No, and that's the one thing I think I've, I've talked to one or two ex NHL players just casually over the phone, and, and they they don't like the game the way it is now. Nothing to do with the sport, the way it's being played, but the fact that fans are in the building, so the atmosphere is just completely different. And they personally can't get into watching games. And I thought that's interesting. You know, I still enjoy watching games. I don't watch every one of them. Um, but at the same time, if you had fans and that noise and that whole atmosphere, then I think you'd see a lot of other people just kind of tuning in. Because right now, I don't know what the ratings are for it, but I think people are getting tired of bubble hockey. Yeah, well, listen, if people want it, they're tired of not being able to go to games themselves. And, yeah. uh, you know, they'd love the opportunity to pay 250 bucks for a ticket, you know, even though sometimes that run people the wrong way when they're doing it on a regular basis. Um, dude, this has been so much fun to have yeah. you back on. Obviously, it was uh, an absolute pleasure getting in the studio with you uh, every day. And really, through this year, you know, having what happened to me being in the hospital, coming out, I mean, that entire time getting back to work, just being able to come in every day, seeing you and seeing Remus, Ryan Brandt, literally the only people I did. Um, it'll be times I'll always cherish them, and uh, who knows what the future holds. But I'll tell you what, when you're finished building that bar whenever it gets done, there's always a spot for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk if you want it. Yeah, I look forward to that. And to your point, too, I mean, even during a pandemic, we found out that we could draft groceries and just <laughs> make up radio, and it was still a lot of fun to do. So, yeah, hopefully we can do it once again soon, and uh, and who knows where the road leads next. But uh, I've never been afraid of it because it can be uh, be quite surprising. I would have never thought I lived here in the prairies, but here I now have been here for 10 years. So maybe it's 11. <laughs> I've lost count. <laughs>
Uh, we'll have to tilt one soon, my friend. Thanks for yeah. doing this. It was a real fun time having you on the program. Yeah, thanks to you. Thanks, Dreamer, too. Right on. There is the one and only Rick Ralph. Uh, follow him on Twitter if you aren't already. What are you doing? At Rick Ralph NS, uh, our longtime uh, partner on the afternoon ride, and uh, really one of the one of the names and voices absolutely synonymous with the radio station over the course of ten years. Um, <laughs> just an absolute beauty. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, so we got a couple more things to do. I do want to get to the cool bet lines. I'll let you know um, that. Today, we did the lock shop before Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, so we've got some picks on tonight's action in the NHL. We'll get those lines in a minute. But if you are into golf, especially golf betting, to me, this is the best tournament of the year. The Dell match play, There's, um, you, know, you can bet guys to win. You can bet guys to win their pods. There's 16 groups of four golfers. They'll all play through a round robin. Um, and then individual matchups each day. So Dusty and I got into the WGC quite a bit uh, earlier today. So make sure to go and uh, check out at Lock Shop Bets. The full program will be there. Um, let's get Michael Remus back in here before we get to the uh, get to the uh, the numbers. Remo, uh, a great great interview with Murata Tesh into um, just so much fun having uh, Rick getting the three of us back together uh, back together on the air. What an absolute beauty Rick is! That was uh, so much fun having him on the show. Yeah, a lot of talk about uh, Bufflin in the chat, so it's just fun speculating <laughs> what you think uh, Bufflin is doing. What's he up to in his day to day? Life, I'm I'm here for that. I did just check out his wife's Instagram for that picture, of that box of goodies that or the shoes that Andrew Ladd gave them. That's pretty cool. So you can kind of keep track. She, I know she's pretty active on Twitter, Emily Bufflin Instagram as well. So uh, people want Buff. Uh, someone's commenting that they got an ATV as well, and you guys mentioned that. So <laughs> new great ATV char- and great t- and uh, an interesting conversation. You know, I would have never guessed Logan Stanley. Uh, being kept, but yeah, this is the last year of his entry level deal, so they're gonna have to make a decision on him. Where, where do you come out on that sense. take? I, I saved the take. I was gonna text you it last night, and I wanted to sit on it a little bit more. Um, I, the more I think about it, I'm. I mean, listen, if you have an Ekholm or something that comes in, that may change the equation a little bit with protecting three D men. But presently constructed as the Winnipeg Jets are. I think they're more likely to protect Logan Stanley and take their chances on Dylan DeMello or work out a deal. Because I think the cost to have a team not pick DeMello is less than a team not to pick Logan Stanley because of what he brings to the table and his age. Yeah, and even if DeMello gets picked, is that the worst thing ever? I mean, he's he's got, he's got a bit of a long-term deal. You get yourself out of that. And maybe you can find someone who does a, a comparable thing for cheaper. So, I mean, we'll wait and see. But yeah, maybe if they do get Ekholm... Uh, he would definitely be the guy, but uh, we'll wait and see. It was interesting to hear Marat say how much he knows that, how much the organization is emotionally invested in Logan Stanley. Now, you know, he's been a project of theirs since he was drafted, so uh, that's a guy you wouldn't want to lose in the expansion draft. And then uh, I guess the other one, I mean, Cop and Lowry, uh, what happens with them as well. So, you know, I'm kind of, I haven't really thought too much about the expansion draft. It seems so far away for a while, but it is approaching. We are approaching the deadline so you are going to have to think about that when you make all these moves and I know teams have been thinking about it uh but for a while well uh we'll see how hot that take is or whether it's freezing cold um in a few months but I 
I just really, I think that, you know, the way Stanley's played, what the organization has put into him and his development and how he's rewarding them for it right now is changing the equation when it comes to the uh, the Seattle uh, expansion draft. All right, let's get to the Lions, the daily Lions for Coolbet today. Um, just five games in the National Hockey League, Philly at Jersey, Chicago, Florida, Nashville, Detroit, Dallas, Tampa, Arizona, and Colorado. Um, Dallas plus 155 at Tampa, Minus 185. I actually took the stars in the dog pound today. It was uh, kind of slim pickings for a good underdog. So we'll see whether you can take a shot at uh, an upset of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then later on tonight, Dusty is on the Avalanche puck line. Remo, uh, we were just going through some numbers before the program on the Avalanche. And you look back, they have been not just beating teams, but they have been massacring teams. Um, you know, back back 5-1 and then 6 nothing against the Wild. Pretty damn good Wild team on the weekend. They've won uh, five or six games by three or more goals. Um, Dusty went on the puck line with them at plus 108 for uh, to win by two. I kind of took a look at what about win by three? They literally have been doing that every night. You can get more than two to one on that if you want to really lay down a chunk on the avalanche to win big. Yeah, that seems uh, seems crazy. But they have been just steamrolling everyone. They got Kale McCarr back. Their top line's back together. They're a solid team. I'm curious to see what they do at the trade deadline. You look at that West Division. You have Vegas uh, just ahead of them, actually, 22-7-1. and and Colorado 28 and 2 and it seems like we're on a coll- another collision course for those teams in the final of that division. You know Colorado ran into some goaltending injuries last year so kind of, and you know Vegas uh you know didn't uh, go as far as they wanted to but I'd say those teams are definitely the top Minnesota not far behind. Vegas did beat uh, St. Louis they're fourth in that division. So I do think it'll be uh, those those four teams there but uh Colorado I mean they've been a, a powerhouse so far and do they go and add someone but uh, as far as tonight goes, yeah, back-to-back against Arizona. Sure, why not uh, take him on the puck line? All right, there are uh, lines for today's action in the National Hockey League. You can see it all at coolbet.com. And uh, you can check out our um, Twitter feed um, for a tweet daily on Coolbet. And uh, they'll have got some goodies in there for you as well if you want to play. Um, I should mention, uh, and, you know, go to check out the Lockshop podcast for full talk about picks on the on the pods. I do have two picks for you, though, that I will throw out for the match play. couple long shots. Abraham answer, 54-1. to He's got a couple nickels for me. And Cam Smith, 39-1. to Those are the two overall picks we've seen. I mean, there has been some chalky plays, world number ones win in the past. There's also been some guys way off the board. But love both of these guys right now and the way their game sets up for the match play. So um, check out the lock shop if you want more on the uh, pods and all the analysis of the tournament. But if you're just looking for uh, a couple guys to maybe uh, ride with, let's do it. I'm on Cam Smith, and I'm on Abe Answer for the WGC match play. Um, it's going to be a bit of a slow sports night tonight, Reem. As we mentioned, only those five NHL games. But then right back at it tomorrow, and we'll see whether the Jets can pick up where they left off after a real impressive win from the net all the way up to the top line. Yeah, I agree. It was a big win. Uh, they needed it. They, I think they came into that game. Uh, they Mentally, they were like, we're not losing. Uh, we know we played well. We deserve better in those games. And shout out to the captain, Blake Wheeler, who started off the scoring. Uh, their line was great. The third line was great. Lowry, Cop uh, getting in on the board. And they had kind of been quiet for a bit after a hot start. And I still think um, that second line, Ehlers, Dubois, Connor, uh, has been excellent. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers um, didn't quite get on, on the board, 
but some of the cuts that he's made skating to evade contact uh, have been incredible, the way he can move on the ice. There was one where he cut to the middle and then just fired a slapper from like the, you know, right in between the uh, face-off circles in the offensive zone. So, I mean, he's getting better every week. And uh, I know there was a poll, uh, Haas, of, you know, top wingers in the league on ESPN we were discussing before the show. Ehlers didn't make the list, but Kyle Connor did. But uh, I think those that are watching the Jets um, maybe see Ehlers as a more complete player than Kyle Connor. Or that could be just me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, they're playing together right now on a pretty deadly line with Pierre-Luc Dubois. They did have a moment. I will say this, as great as that game was last night, that line did have one of the worst shifts of the year in last night's game when they were up one nothing in the second period. There's about three different giveaways. Pionk got in on it as well. Uh, that being said, they got the puck out, they steadied it, and the rest of the uh, team got the job done, led by Adam Lowry with those two third period goals. Um, thanks again to everyone that joined us today in the chat. Man, we've got just so many people firing out. Got to give a shout out to our pal Derek in Vancouver Island. Good to see Hustler and Remus back at it. Derek, a, uh, you know, was a loyal caller um, back in the 1290 days. And um, everyone else, Mitch, Winnipeg Hockey Talk, you damn right, Mix Curling's on TV tonight. And actually, just quickly on that, if you go to CoolBet, if you're like me, that is all in on the mixed curling, we now have odds for the mixed doubles championship. Jen Jones, her husband Brett Lang are the favorites. And then Carrie Anderson and Brad Gushu, second favorite at three to one. I'll be uh, checking those out, looking ahead for the matchups. That mixed curling is a lot of fun, and uh, it's on a lot right now on TSN. Uh, well, Remo, tomorrow should be another great show. Kevin always going to join us as we continue welcoming back the boys from 1290, and uh, we'll get ready for another big hockey game. Sure would be nice for the Jets after losing two in a row in Edmonton to get a couple going into a big series against the Calgary Flames team that I'm sure will be in an ornery mood after losing again to the Ottawa Senators last night. Yeah, I don't I don't trust Calgary. I mean, you'd think that they would be in a bad <laughs> mood, but uh, you think they would have been in a better mood after they fired the coach, but I think it worked for like a game or two, and now they're back at their inconsistent ways. As for the Jets, um, I wonder if we end up seeing uh, Lauren Brossois, you know, where he comes in. I guess there's a back, was it a back-to-back uh, Friday, Saturday, so it would probably be one of those, but he has played so well in Vancouver this year. Uh, I know he's from there. I don't, it, I don't think the schedule sets up that way, but maybe uh, split these two. I mean, he's played, I think he's earned more games, us. He's played so well. So I don't think that's going to happen, but we will see. We'll see if there's any other line changes. I'm not anticipating any, but they did switch up the defense pairs. That was the only one, but seems to keep it going. Uh, bring that same mentality, and they should be able to take another one from uh, from Vancouver. Thanks to Jeff Kabilas, the GOAT, Gregory Liverpool himself. Oh, Jesse the Pizza Delivery Guy, Jay Peltz, Jeff Dirksen, Alvin Bally, uh, and of course, Wayne Jones in Norway, everyone that popped in, the godfather, Mitch from Winnipeg Hockey Talk. Um, man, it, it's amazing, Remo. And this show in particular, I think having the likes of Murat and Rick join us had people fired up. Uh, but man, there's been packed in the chat room all along. It just it continues to grow, and uh, I'm looking forward to the big show tomorrow. Oh, yeah, always, always fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what Kevin O's been up to. I know he's doing stuff with the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, what a unique season it is uh, in the WHL. And I did like his new profile picture, rocking that ice jersey. I think they have some pretty sweet jerseys. Uh, I may, I've been looking to add one of those uh, to the collection back here. 
Yeah, so we'll be talking some Jets and some ice tomorrow with Kevin Owen catching up with him. Brandon Rewicki is going to join us live on Thursday, and we finish it off with West Detroit, Westwood of the Big Show on Friday. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. All right, we got to get these pods up for people on their way home. Remo, great show today as always. Thanks for all of your work, and we can't thank Murata Tesh and the one and only Rick Ralph for joining us today. Um, as I said, hit that like button. If you're listening on the podcast, do us a favor and rate and review. Uh, we want to thank Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, and the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. And, of course, Cool Bat and our newest sponsor, Breezy Bend Country Club. Can't wait to start getting going with Breezy in the next few days. That's going to do it for us, gang. Have a great Tuesday night. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube on Wednesday, getting ready for the Jets and Vancouver Canucks. Have a great night. You've been listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.